everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Chai with Rye, a show I like to call my digital jukebox of hidden gems, in which I reach out to working creatives in the entertainment and fitness industry. We discuss all things from life lessons to politics, socialism, culture, history to love to sex, the digital space, and of course, the industry, and so, so much more. The message of this show for me is for it to be a space for the guests and those tuning in to reflect, for it to come across as we're tuning into friends having one of those deep conversations mixed in with great banter. You know what I mean? Kind of like when you're watching like Big Brother or or Gogglebox, but like the audio version of it. (laughs) Then at the end, to make things light, we play some games and have a quiz, which is one of my favorite parts, to be honest, because you just let go and be a kid in a playground. By the way, if I haven't mentioned this before, Chai with Rai is an IGTV live show, which I transfer into audio format. So to watch any of the videos, such as of this episode or the previous episodes, simply go to my Instagram at RaiMuitFum, that is R-A-I-M-U-I-T-F-U-M, and scroll through my IGTV. And don't forget, by the way, to follow, like, subscribe, comment, and share. You have no idea, but your support really helps the show and the message of it grow. And of course, go follow these amazing people that are on these episodes and give them some love because isn't that what we want at the end of the day some love (laughs) anywho i'm gonna stop rambling and without further ado let's get into today's episode this guest is very special to my heart sophia and i met years and years ago when we were both auditioning for this company in London and we did a couple of contact improv exercises and other things and I think if you're a dancer out there I don't know if you'll agree or not and we always talk about this and we've joked about this I think it's very rare to find somebody who when you do improv with you instantly connect with and Sophia was one of those people for me that when I was doing contact improv and I just started doing contact improv that I initially just like clicked her with her like that. I went on to work with her in her company, which is called Artivism Dance Theatre Company. We're gonna get into that. But just a little bit about Sophia, and I'll get her on. She's a dancer, choreographer, and PT and company director based and a studio owner of Artivism Dance Theatre, which is based in New Orleans. The work that is produced by Artivism Dance Theatre, which again, I've been privileged to work in, has a political, historical, and social-based context. She, her work has been nominated for a big Easy Classical Arts Award. Her works include such as Cat Calls and Compliments, which is a piece based on being catcalled as a woman. Trigger, which I was even in, it's a PTSD piece about being in the military. Allostasis, which explores the history of social in- injustices and passing on chronic stress in genetics and cultural traits. But other than that, there's been so so many progressive works that Sophia has created in Artivism Dance Theatre and I'm just going to get her on and we're going to get chat a lot. Let's do this. Hello friend. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's so nice to see your face. Oh my ah. god, it's so great to see you. I know we've been talking but like it's so good to see you. Your hair is so red. Yeah, it was, it was pink and now yeah. it's heated into this I don't know, I have like random blonde streaks and I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just rolling with it. What are you naturally? Are you naturally a brunette, right? Mm-hmm. Or a blonde? Yeah. I was, I was actually, fun story. 
for yeah. all of your followers. <laughs> uh, I was born with really dark black hair and then it oh. fell out and came back in blonde, like oh. white blonde. And then it got darker and darker until I was like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine. Yeah. I've been a brunette ever since. Do you like being red? Oh, do I like the color? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in the last few years, I've had uh, purple, pink, red, green, blue. I've... Hey, I love experimenting with looks. I think when I met you, my hair was like wavy straight and I had no beard. And then I went to like long hair and a beard and now it's like permed out curls and like a mustache. So I love experimenting. I like this look. Thank I you. It's cute. I feel like it's very trigger. Had I done trigger in this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think, sure. I think this, I think this would have worked. Um, you used to live in London. Do you miss London? I do. Yeah. In, in some ways and I don't in others. No offense. What's the, what's the one thing you miss most about London? Oh God. I don't know. Uh, I mean the, obviously the awesome people I met there. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, but also I think uh, one random thing that I really loved about London was the diversity of like culture and therefore food. Ah, yes, we have talked about this, which yeah. brings me to my next question. What is the biggest difference between New Orleans and London for you? I mean, I, I don't, they couldn't be more different. Like, yeah, they're, they're about as different as you can get. But um, I'll tell you a little story to illustrate one big difference yeah um when the first time i came here was actually to visit my sister she was living here yeah. and i was living in london at the time and i had this suitcase and in london i was struggling trying to get it up the stairs everyone just kind of ignored me as as londoners do right they just like went all, along their business they were like yeah. okay you know whatever walk by her my uh change was in philly in Philadelphia and yeah. I changed lights in Philly and I remember someone opening the door for me and holding the door for me so I could get through with my suitcase. Okay. When I got to New Orleans, not only did people open the door, but someone carried my suitcase to the taxi for me. And I was like, this is culture <laughs> shock. <laughs> I don't know. I do that in London for people. I, I, yeah, I think people really will attest nice. to that. You're really nice. I, I, I'm saying like for the first general. month or two that I was here, I was like, what, what does everyone want? Why are they talking to me? People would be <laughs> like, hey, how you doing? Hello. How's it? You know, it's just that Southern hospitality. And I'm like, they must want that something. Is that is very true. I was like that as well. I think I would be like that when I went to Newcastle. I want to ask you, ADT came to be in 2015, right? Yes. Yeah. So I want to ask you this. When you created... I want to take you back when you were doing your BFA. Did you know back then that you wanted a company, you would be owning a studio, you'd be doing youth mentorship program and the work that you, you have created and are creating right now? Did you know back then? Uh, I always wanted to have a company for sure. Yeah. That was always the dream. I always said I never wanted to run a dance studio. Oh. <laughs> that, that happened. But uh, yeah, no, the, the company part was always part of the dream. That was always yeah. the dream. And actually being in London is what made that actually happen because I had a mentor. Um, I had a couple different mentors there and they really pushed me to, um, to go after it, particularly Vicky Igbakwi of Uchenna Dance. Oh yeah. Shout out. 
she's amazing. And I was working with her, um, helping her on different projects and told her that I had always wanted to have a company and was asking her questions, kind of picking her brain. I'm like, well, how do you do this? What do you do with that? And she signed me up for an emerging artistic director's retreat. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, I was like, I'm not an artistic director. And she was like, but you want to be, so you're going to go to this thing. And I was like, okay. And then, like, I met so many amazing people there, and they were like, look, no, nobody starts a business. No one has everything together before they start yeah. a business. Just, like, you're never ready to have a baby, you know? People just, like, have babies and figure it out. Like, you just do the business and you figure it out. Like, you're never going to have enough money, enough time. You're never gonna like know for sure 100% everything you're doing. You just yeah. have to take that leap of faith. And so I had a, a few very strong, amazing women. Deborah Badu, who like pushed me off that ledge. Alessandra Sutton, they were like, just do it. And I was like, yeah, I'm falling, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I wanna talk about like just the company right now, not your dance background. Well, um, I know we've talked about this when you were here in London and we did some work together, but how did the actual logistics of it came to be? So like when you came out of the Emerging Artists program, you then signed in your company and created like a logo and everything. And I already know about the company's uh, name in regards to you wanted to combine activism with art. So you came up with Artivism Dance Theatre. But yeah, talk to me about the logistics and now to the progression of owning the studio because I know the medium phase was the art club space. Is this the art club space? Or no, this is something, no. This is something different, yeah. That is sort of a, a long story, but... Well, we're, we're going to keep it within an hour because you've given me an hour. So let's, let's get, get into it. Two yeah, minutes you know, to <laughs> just opened a studio. I'm on a tight schedule. <laughs> I know. Two minutes. You have two minutes to tell your story. Today's session is going to be very speedy. Uh, no. So the first thing I did was have the logo. <clears throat> a good friend of mine from high school actually drew the logo. I had the logo made up and it was actually my mother's idea the fist with the tutu yeah at first I was like whatever mom that's dumb you know and then I was like wait actually it's kind of brilliant doing it um <laughs> of course you know moms are always yeah. right but um yeah so I, that's what I did first and then I created the website okay. um because I figured that I wasn't gonna be able to get dancers who are legit in any way without a website or social media or something for them to go to, you know? Yeah. So that was sort of my first steps. And then my time in London was definitely an experiment of sorts of working with awesome people and trying to figure it out. Um, and when I got to New Orleans, I, I was here, as you know, it was a very sudden, they kicked me out. <laughs> that, that, was not, that was not a lovely experience. I'm sorry. Yeah, it sucked, but it is what it is. And as they say, everything happens for a reason. Who knows yes. if that's true, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I believe that or not, but like sometimes I really want to, and sometimes I'm like, not true. But um, yeah, I, I was at a party here, actually, maybe like this first or second month that I got here. Yeah. And I met Reese Johansson, who runs the art club. And she was telling me about the art club and I told her about artivism. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I want you to send me an email. And 
um, about your company. And I did. And she emailed me back and she's like, I'd like to offer you a residency at the art club. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. And then I was like, fuck, I got my dancers. I don't know if I can swear on here, but I just did. Uh. Instagram, why couldn't you swear? And it's between us. I don't us. know if, like you particularly are like, no swearing on my. We swear. You, you and I swear. So why wouldn't like my thing be about swearing as well? Okay, cool. Well, yeah. So then I was like, I need to find dancers. And yeah. So the first thing I did was have an audition. Fast forward three years and halfway through COVID. Um, right. And I am on the New Orleans Dance Network Committee with a bunch of other women who either are studio owners or uh, run dance companies in the city. And the woman who had this studio before me, Jarena Carvalho, she ran Live Oak Dance, which is a ballet studio. Okay. And she was like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapped out. I'm walking away. Do you want my studio? She was like, <laughs> it was like a Friday. And she was like, tell me by Monday. And I was like, uh, and, and here we are. And here we are. I feel like you've skipped a couple of distinct things, but I will come back to those. Don't you worry. I'm sure I have. Those, those uh, are just the touch points. I'm those, sure are just the, those are just the touch points. Um, we're going to get into your work now. You have created some really really awesome stuff and i just want to get to know your choreographic voice oh my god i can't even say that word explain your style to me explain the process to me how does it come to you how do you do it a lot of the stuff is politically sensitive and socially sensitive sometimes so how do you deal with that before you begin i will say this i think you were one of the first people that i will say kind of when I was starting out in the dance scene in London, you were one of the first people that I feel like still to this day, everybody has taken on this trend now of creating like political, social activist work. Like I feel like now, obviously to call it a trend would be maybe doing it injustice, but everybody's now creating work. And I feel like you were one of the first people that opened my eyes to that. And we're doing it in the underground dance scene in London. And I, I still feel like ADT or you weren't ever given props. No, I seriously do. And I think till this nice. day, no, till this day, I think you create some amazing work that you, you're not given like the excellence props for. But um, yeah, go ahead. But now we're going to just talk about like your choreographic process. Like, how does it come to you? I till this day don't know how you get an idea, how you start working and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so who knows how I get an idea? <clears throat> you should. I mean, uh, things develop. I will say uh, just a little context from of where I'm coming from is that my inspiration for artivism and wanting to create socially and politically motivated work started when I was 16, 15, and I <clears throat> read the vagina monologues by Eva uh -huh. and I was like, this bitch is awesome. Like what? She just said all the things that you're not supposed to say, you know, like all of these stories are, are, are radical and, and she's just a badass feminist and I admire her in every way. So a lot of my, my inspiration comes from that. I think there are a lot of people who have done politically inspired art. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think the struggle in dance is making it not cliche or like mime you know, like having it or not being, 
it's a fine line between being mimey and like corny and then being so abstract that the audience has no idea what you're talking about. Right. Then like you're making a political statement but nobody else knows but you. It's like, what's the point? So that's always the line that I'm trying to figure out where it is and, and as one of my dancers, you probably know this, but uh, a lot of times I'm like, check in with my dancer, like, is this corny? Is this dumb? <laughs> <laughs> is this too obvious? Like, cause that's my, more my tendency is like, let's make it really clear. I always say that I, I want, you know, the grandparents in the audience to be like, oh, I know what's happening. I don't want it to be a, a piece that's only understandable to like the millennials or like a specific demographic or um, can be interpreted in in so many different ways. I think that there there's a place for that, but that's like not what I'm interested in doing. I'm interested in creating work that evokes different emotional responses or gets yeah. different reactions out of people and everyone can have their own opinion or it can spark something different for everybody, but that they know what they're all they all know what they're talking about. The conversation, it's clear what the point of the conversation is. How does the logistics happen for you? Because I think now, like, I want to get to know from the crux of it, like, especially do, does finance come into the play of it? Does marketing come into the play of it? Does, does this digital space, how does that work? Yeah, um, that's a, it's something that I'm constantly going back and forth about and struggling with, of like art for the sake of art or like yeah like making a political statement or social statement for the sake of doing that. And then also wanting to constantly make my own politics very clear about the importance of art and that dancers deserve to be paid for what they do. A lot of times we are not, a lot of times we're not paid what we should be paid or there's a lot of like, Oh, well, yeah, there really isn't, you know, a budget for this, but could you yeah. just do it? And it's like, so for me, it's, it's a case by case basis. <clears throat> it yeah. depends on, okay. What's the exposure here? What's, you know, what's, what does the company and therefore the dancers get out of doing this? <clears throat> and I, I hate the word exposure because that's like way too often used in the dance world as like an excuse to not pay people, right? Yeah. But um, I also do think that there's like, you know, I've done performances like during COVID where it's like, oh, it's, this is a virtual performance and it'll take all of 10 minutes and this person has 11,000 followers. Okay, cool. You know, like that to me is like, all right, bet. But am I going to ask my dancers to rehearse for two weeks before that for this five minute? No, you're yeah. going to improvisation because <laughs> I'm sorry, but like people, yo, everybody got to make money. People got to pay their rent. Yeah. People got to eat you know and like at the end of the day yeah on the other hand there are also times when art is therapeutic so this summer when we were when everything with black lives matter was just like really popping off and getting the exposure it has long deserved and should continue to have but sadly as you said politics and social justice are trends that come and go in waves but anyway that's another tangent. <laughs> that's that's another, no, but I feel like it's it's actually great that you bring that up because I think when you were in London and me and you were creating work, I think your work, your work and yourself and I would have lots of conversations in regards to Black Lives Matter or just things like that. We would talk about like cruelty in the now as opposed to then. And I would like, I'll be bringing you things like, I'll be like, this is what's happening in Afghanistan and this is what's happening in Iraq and Iran. Where's the, where's the movements for this? I don't see anything. And as opposed to movements for like Black Lives Matter or hashtag me too and things like that. So I think it's, it's, 
it's a case by case thing. And I think obviously you have to have a conversation and you know, everything has a time, but yeah. I think one that, thing that I have learned since my time in London and, and in some ways in, in painful growing, growing pains kind of way is that when it comes to social and political issues, we have a responsibility to tell our own story. For example, like Trigger, I would not create that piece now. Yeah. Because I feel like it's my story to tell. I think it's an important story, but it's not my personal journey. Um, and that's something that I've tried to make really, really clear in where my company goes from now on, um, that all of the dancers are talking from their own perspective. So if, if this is, and that doesn't mean that every single person in your piece has to have experienced what you've been through. No, it means that the choreographer, the creator, the artist who is, is behind the piece should be coming from a personal standpoint and not telling somebody else's story. And in terms of like, there's so much going on in the world, where do you start? Like, that's where I start. Fair yeah. enough. We're gonna whiz through this because we're on a time constraint, like I said, but I wanna talk to you about the biggest difference between a dancer, which you kind of already touched on, but like for you, the one biggest difference between a dancer, just a specific dancer, and a choreographer, a behind the scenes person, a choreographer, a company director, a studio owner, or a PT. Like what are the two, like what is the one bigger, biggest difference for you? Those are all very different things, but okay, I'll say this. The biggest difference to me between a dancer and a yeah. dance artist or a choreographer is a is the imagination or the creativity that goes into being a choreographer and a dance artist. Okay. And dancers are are like instruments. They regurgitate, right? They like do what they, they play the song. They don't write the song. So that's the biggest difference. Uh. Oh, for that's me. gonna be a quote. That's gonna be a quote somewhere. That's gonna be a <laughs> quote somewhere. Um, we're gonna move on to talking about your dance journey right now. I read this beautiful piece on you in the Crescent City Jewish News, which was uh, how you spoke about ballet and being rigid. And then I watched one of your pieces on YouTube. I think it's about something in something along the concepts of it's reading it's gone through my head but it's something about women being a woman and in it you talk about Beagle like Anna Rockefeller Garcia but I just want to talk about like your first ever memory of dance the progression of it to now and did you ever have any sort of challenges along the way like I know I've discussed this with you, but like you come from a Judah, Ju not what am I saying? Jew you come from a Jewish back oh, background, and just in regards to culturally and religiously, like were there any challenges for you? First memory as a dancer, then progression and challenges. Those are the three points. Well, between me and you and the internet <laughs> and the whole internet. Well, by uh, the way, this is going to go on Spotify. I'm doing, I'm doing till next week, and then I'm going to put this up on Spotify, so it's going to be everywhere. So you can even great. share it. I love it. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call them out. The yeah. Crescent City Jewish News was amazing and wonderful, and also a little bit loose with their retelling of my Jewish childhood. <laughs> <laughs> they talked about you. Um, yeah, it was very interesting to read some things. I was like, oh, really? You'll ask me later about the oh reallys because they might. I, it was a little. Some of it was okay. a little edited to be a little more Jewish than you know, but like as as it should be in the Crescent City Jewish News. <laughs> um, yeah, well, a couple things. I have always wanted to be a dancer from my earliest memory. I have a uh, 
a drawing that I made in kindergarten that the teacher had written on the side and you had to like fill in the blank or whatever. And you drew a picture of it. And it says, my favorite subject in school is lunch. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I grow up, I'm going to be a dancer. My mom, <laughs> my mom framed it for me when I graduated high school and was like, see, nothing changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, my grandmother <clears throat> was a, an actress and a dancer and she did a lot of musical theater and my grandparents met at a folk dance class, a Jewish folk dance class. Oh, wow. So it's in the lineage, you know? Oh, wow. In the lineage. My parents both sort of broke the mold in terms of what was acceptable for them to do. My mom was always told by her father that, you know, she was she could either be a secretary or a housewife. And like, those are your two options. Um, and she worked her way through college, grad school, she has her PhD. She yeah. works in international development, travels internationally. She's just a boss. I'd like to meet your mom you know? because the amount of stories that I've heard about your mother yeah, she sounds... I would love for you to meet my mother. Maybe y'all can do a, a chai with rye. I'd love that. She would probably totally be down. Um, my dad w went to school for environmental science and worked in my grandfather's business out of yeah. school and then quit that and decided to become a freelance video videographer and was like, it was radical because he was an artist, you know, and... Uh, did a lot of documentary film traveling and you know in Sudan after the war and all sorts of crazy stuff when I was younger so they kind of both broke that mold already and then when I wanted to be an artist they were like okay that's cool <laughs> you know it's like what can you say my mom however was very like well both of them education was always like the main thing it was like you yeah. can do answer and something else <laughs> you know so get get good grades my mom my mom was like we will help you in college and you can study dance but you also have to double major in something else and you have to get straight A's and be in the honor roll you know it's like these are the, your prerequisites for us assisting you in being a dancer and studying that in college so. yeah I just want to touch up on this and I just want to go back to it because I really just want to know from a personal perspective and you can be like right I don't want to talk about this but like did, you didn't have any challenges from a Jewish perspective because I know like growing up from Muslim perspective I have lots of challenges to a point where I'm like you know mm -hmm. from that aspect of my life and my family but like are there any like just Judaism allow did you guys have the support did you have the support or was that one of the things that was talked about in the community or not really uh, I mean art is a very very important part of Jewish culture I wouldn't necessarily say dance is particularly elevated in Jewish culture but art is, is music and and visual art is definitely a huge element culturally yeah. uh, and something that's seen as very valuable dance is definitely celebrated you know if being a dance goal my my grandfather because I had my own dance company, my grandfather would always be like, well, she's she's not really a dancer. She's a businesswoman, you know? <laughs> so it's like, that's, she's that's not really it. an artist. She's a businesswoman. She has her own business, you know? So there was, but I, I didn't get any pushback from a, from a cultural standpoint. Um, but also, you know, like I said, my parents were- Both and they. Both, yeah, both kind <clears> of, <throat> pushing the boundaries to begin with. And I grew up in a very liberal Jewish community in Amherst in Western Massachusetts, um, 
which is like, like uh, we had a woman as a rabbi growing up. And then when I was in high school, our rabbi was a gay man. You know, it's wow. like they, they were not concerned that I was an artist, you know. Fair enough. You um, know? So it's just a different. I think the, the thing with religion in general is that we can't make one blanket assessment because it's all there within religions. There are so many different levels. If I had grown up Orthodox Jewish, it, my life would be totally different. It's, a, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just, not, it's the type of, I come from like a reform reconstructionist background, which is like very liberal and hippie loving and, you know? Oh, fair enough. Do you um, <laughs> I want to talk about some of your work, I think from working with you and just being, I think the, your work and you as a dancer and a choreographer has, it, you have a very distinct, strong, voice and just this strength I don't know how to describe your work other than like strength and strong uh, but uh, then on the other side we've had lots of conversations when some of your work has a very feministic feminism feministic sort of approach and I we've talked about feminism and you know you consider am I correct in saying you still consider yourself a feminist of course Yes, I believe you used to we say. All are you, be. <laughs> I, I used to be like, are you a feminist? And you used to go, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> hell yeah. Hell but yeah. Like, I, I was just researching like on feminists uh, th throughout history and like Roxanne Gay, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who just recently passed away, um, Gloria Steinem and like Maya Angelou, um, Toronto Burke. And I was just like, what does... I was really trying to get into the grips of it. And I was like, I just want to ask you, I really want to get to know what does the word feminist mean to you? And where do you fit in within that? Um, I think feminism is the completely unradical concept that all human beings are equal, regardless of their gender um, or their uh, <clears throat> biological sex. So... To me, everyone should be a feminist. It's sort of a no-brainer. And I think if you do not consider yourself a feminist under that definition, then like... Screw you. <laughs> it's 2020, folks, you know? Like, women can do can do what men can do and yeah. et cetera, you know? Um, so I think in general, it's just... I don't even consider myself a feminist anymore. Like, I just consider myself a human being that thinks other human beings are equally as capable as anyone else, you know, like it, I, it yeah. like a, a, a narrow definition at this point, because we are in a world where like there, you know, there is the Challenges. first trans person was, was um, elected into government, into government position, yeah. you know, and like, there's like a gay man who's the what governor of Colorado. I don't know. I'm probably getting this wrong, but um, just make stuff up. I'm just saying, like, we're we're past the point where people pretend, like, I, I guess what's kind of mind-boggling to me is that we're at a point where it has become normalized to talk about issues of sexual orientation yeah. or gender preference or uh, pronouns and all of that stuff has become more normal. And, like, you hear about it, whether or not it's still, like, radical politics is... I guess depends on who you're asking. But what's crazy to me is that people then still somehow don't make the connection between making entire generalizations based off of biological sex or gender. Uh, you know, it's like, like, we're still at a point where, where there are pink and blue baby clothes. Like, 
disconnect there that like maybe it's that like half the world hasn't quite got caught up or i don't know <laughs> i think it's do it's also doing things for the sake of doing it but not actually coming from a genuine perspective and making change to progress but that is that is another conversation we need to have but you're putting me on a time because you have an hour and we're just gonna get into the next point because i have so much to do with you hey I you can talk- always have me back yeah i'd love to let's do a part two with better wi-fi um <laughs> No, it's fine. Um, We're going to talk about now your uh, progression into having your own studio, your youth mentoring program, and into fitness. How did all three come to be? Um, We've brushed on it, but I want to know, other than the logistics, how did it come to be? How does it feel? I remember you talking about a youth mentoring program, and you wanted to also do a across US and London sort of program as well where you could have students from like London come to New Orleans and New Orleans to like vice versa. And I feel like that is so much more possible now, especially with the digital space. But um, yeah. Dream big. Like, listen to me with these big ass dreams. I, you were like, <laughs> oh my God, stop it. Stop it. You're still dream big. Don't say that. Ooh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, yes, I'm totally here for it. And also my 31 year old self is way more logistically accurate than my 20 something year old self. I was like, oh my God, has the industry worn you down? (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, No, I mean, it's still possible. It's just like, I, I I now, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, um, what's the, what's the phrase? I'm not uh, becoming an adult. I'm like an adult adult, you know, like turns out everything costs money. So I'm like a little more, a little more cynical or realistic, however you want to phrase it. But yeah, I think it's still totally possible. Um, yeah, there. I mean, that's where do I start? There are a lot. There are a lot of there are a lot of things in that. Well, in terms of the mentorship program, we have not fully developed that one yet. My dream is to create a program where teenagers are paired up with a mentor in the company. Yeah. So, mentor mentee kind of situation and then they dance in the company with the adult dancers as opposed to having like a youth company and adult company um so that's sort of like hopefully in the next year or two will come to fruition right now we have a well we have youth dance classes that are offered here but also we're partnering with you are not going to believe this what we are partnering with the dea Oh, wow. The Drug Enforcement Agency. Wow. Which, when I first got the email, I read it like five times because I thought, I was like, this is spam or like a weird joke or like, I don't understand. I believe it. I believe it, but because you wanted it, you want this sort of stuff. You wanted to work with like detention centers as well. And, you know, you've done a lot of stuff, so it's not hard to believe, but that's great. Congratulations. Yeah, and we were um, teaching weekly classes at the juvenile detention center for the last yeah. years before COVID. Um, because obviously now with COVID, they don't want us coming in there. But yeah, we were there for the two years before that, which has been really amazing. We'd go in every week and teach. Um, and, and yeah, I was working like a million part-time jobs. And then this was like August 2019, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I was like, I'm quitting all of my jobs and I'm just gonna like fully focus on artivism and like completely invest in artivism 
And there were like two weeks there where I was like, what the fuck did you do? This was a terrible choice. <laughs> How are you going to make money? <laughs> like, and then um, I started to get like multiple emails. It was like I needed space in my life to allow other things to happen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I started getting all of these different emails, one of which was from the Drug Enforcement Agency's Educational Foundation. They have a youth program initiative that sponsors after-school dance classes across the country. And they asked Artivism if we would be the program for New Orleans and the Gulf Coast, Deep South area. Of wow. So yeah, now we host two different classes through the DEA, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Just like bizarre, but like awesome. That's yeah, funny. it's like, okay, you didn't have this because you're British, but I'm sure there's, there's I'm sure. There's, I'm not British, I'm not Dutch. British. Okay, but you grew up, you grew up in, in uh, the Netherlands. London. Yeah. Okay, so maybe you have an, a, uh, a European version of this, but when, I, when we were growing up, there was a program called D.A.R.E. Okay. D.A.R.E. Keep Kids Off Drugs, you know? And they had, like, assemblies where somebody would come in and, like, scare you about what would happen to you if you did drugs. In, I, in my school, we had that. It was, so there's a subject called PSHE, which does, like, schoolwork, sex, health, and education, all that. So we had that in school. Oh, uh, this was, like, a separate government program that was, like, uh, it was, like, like a carryover from the war on drugs, you know, like, the 80s, like, Reagan, Reagan, you know, all that. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. So this is, like, the new, improved version i would say where like instead of going in and scaring kids about drugs they're like here's an alternative of something else you could do after school that's great pretty cool i think it's pretty cool. so yeah Look at that. that's one of the mentorship type programs um that and the program that we were doing with juvenile detention center um we were working at a community center for a while that's actually near the studio but you know covid so we'll see what comes next? All right. So we have three minutes before we play a game. Oh. Because I've timed this. And I have five more topics to get through with you. So I'm just going to throw them at you. And you just tell me which one you want to talk. Okay? We can either talk about interracial relationships. Okay? Just quickly talk about that. The digital space or fitness. <laughs> I feel like me picking is kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> You what? Are, what are you curious about, right? Tell me. I'm curious about all three because I really want to know from a perspective of how does it feel to be in an interracial relationship. Then I really am intrigued to know about fitness because you put this post up, which was really I think like beautiful. I don't know if you would like me to share, but I'm sharing it, which is about like your own weight journey. So I think that's an interesting perspective. And then the digital space. I know your your struggles with the digital space and how I used to handle Instagram at one point for ABT um, and Facebook. But yeah, and because I think the digital space is an interesting topic as well, because I think what you see, like even right now, right, we have two people who are watching us, but I think that is nothing in comparison to the work that you're actually talking about in regards to DEA and the detention center. I think that work is so much more I don't know, was substantial as opposed to thinking about views and followers and things like that all the time. So I think all three topics are great, but I would like to know who, what you would like to talk about quickly. Two minutes. Okay, uh, I, will, uh, I will briefly address all three. 
Oh, okay. Let's do this. Okay. Interracial relationships, definitely a challenge depending on where you are in the world, I think makes a really big difference because from my experience, the issues with within interracial relationships happen from the outside, not from inside in, in my personal experience. So me and my fiance, we have more, anything that has to do with race is more from an external standpoint of what's going on in the world or how we're received, yeah. um, which isn't really that much of an issue to be honest, but it's more like trying to deal with what's going on in the world and know how, how for, I can best support him in certain moments. But to be totally frank, the race thing is not as big of a, of a issue with us as regional differences are. Okay. So me being from the Northeast and, and him being from New Orleans, from the South, like yeah. there a lot of cultural, regional dialect, like different things like that, that just like miscommunications of like, I think you're saying one thing to me that would be disrespectful from where I'm from, but you mean it as a compliment, like things like that. Yeah. Really have nothing to do with race. That's really more from a personal standpoint. I'm not going to speak okay. on that's more of where our <laughs> conflicts come from. Um, in terms of the digital space, I hate keeping up with all of it. I hate it. But I also really appreciate that it exists. Yes. I'm going to say it's an amazing thing that it exists and it means that the world can continue turning even when it feels like everything has fallen apart it means that we can have conversations like this and also I wish that everyone would just like slow the fuck down so that we can <laughs> why I gotta post every day and comment on people's things and interact and it's like so draining you know it's a lot um fitness I'm gonna say this one thing because I was just talking about this today I spent a lot of my life thinking about fitness from the standpoint of how I wanted my body to look have recently in the last few years changed my mindset to be what I want my body to accomplish. Okay. And how can I get my body to be able to do different things, particularly as a dancer, as yeah. opposed to how can I get my body to fit a specific image of what the world tells me is like a sexy body, right? Got it. And that how my body changes and transforms by trying to accomplish a specific dance move or a specific whatever um, is different than how your body would change when you're trying to accomplish the same move. True. Right? That all of our bodies are unique and individual and everyone's body is going to react differently to different things. So instead of trying to force it to fit a mold of like what the fitness industry has deemed to be a sexy in shape body, my goal has now changed to be how can I achieve this particular freeze or this particular whatever move or lift a certain amount of weights or whatever. Yes, or speed. How can I do that? And whatever happens to my physical appearance is what happens. Fair enough. Easier I think said it's than done, but no, I, it is. But we only have some time to. I think it's interesting because you used to give me like body envy. Like I used to be self conscious around you because your body has always been toy, what? like literally toy. I remember you got <laughs> you invited me to like a Halloween thing, and you wore was it the Marvel Captain America suit, and like oh my god, was your body just tight? Like, just tight. Your ass was tight. Your abs was great. Like, you had 
just the perfect amount of curves and the perfect amount of like muscle and thing. But I used to be so self-conscious. I don't know if you remember, like when we used to start, I used to wear like baggy t-shirts and be covered from head to toe because I would be so self-conscious around you. And you used to give me body envy. But so it's interesting. Anyway, we're gonna move on to a quick little five minute game. This section of the show is called Sip a Chai or Play with Rice. Child, play with which is the entire game section i wanted to do so much more but we're just gonna go on the cuff and do as much as we can okay um so yeah, we'll come back sit- and do it again yes ma'am all right this particular segment is called truth or improv okay oh. so if you have done it you will tell me the truth and the story you have to do that if not you will improv oh okay are you ready yes i'm ready have you ever farted on stage? Farted on stage. Yes. And you have to tell the story if you've done it. Quickly, quickly. No, I haven't. I wish awesome. I had a good story about that, though. I wouldn't even... You have to it. improv, and you have to turn your camera that way so we can see it. Quickly. I have to improv even though I haven't farted on stage? That feels unfair. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll leave you. I'll leave you. I'll leave you. Okay, wait. What right. do you... Okay, this is a... Do sh- you want a short improv, I'm assuming? No, it's fine. It's fine. We'll leave it. Um, have you ever been injured while <laughs> Have you ever been injured whilst performing? Yes, uh, very badly actually. When I was performing in London, actually for Alessandra Sutin, um, I did an illusion in the middle of a performance and yeah. ripped my hamstring. And I didn't realize that I had pulled my hamstring because you know adrenaline, endorphins, yeah. all that good stuff. And then like three hours later, I was tried to stand up and my leg just gave out. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so like my body had come down from the high and was like, ah! yeah, it sucked. Damn. Have you ever forgot or had to improv a step on stage? Yeah, of course. Story, come I on. I have also intentionally improved on stage <laughs> many times. I think we uh, all have. No, I recently actually, wouldn't say recently, maybe a year or two ago, I was asked to do this performance to represent artivism and nobody else could come. And so it was just me. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to pick a song I like is about something, you know? Yeah. And then I'm just going to improv to that song. What was it? Uh, it was, oh my God, what is her name? I'm blanking on her name right now. No worries. No worries. We're going to move on. Have you ever had a costume or tech mishap? Yes. I yes. was going to say, if not, I can think of so many stories in where there's been tech mishaps. I've definitely had tech mishaps where, like, the lights don't go on. Oh, I had one performance where, like, the lights just never came on and, like, everyone just kept going. And I was like, are we really just going to do this whole thing in the dark? But, okay. It was, like, halfway through the show. But, um, and I had one where I put my pants on backwards. They were, they were leggings. So it was, like, oh, kind of okay, but it kind it felt like my ass was going to fall out the whole time because it's like, you know, there's <laughs> the, there's less room in the front part as there's in the back on yoga pants. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Fair enough. Um, this next segment is called Pray Do Tell. Pray Do Tell. It You have recently posted this wonderful thing on your um, Instagram, which is about why sleep is so important. Yeah. And you used to shout at me for the fact that you would only sleep like four hours a day. But now I sleep a little bit more. Um, Good. What is? Thank you so much. What is the worst dream you have ever had and the best? Go. Oh my god, I don't know. Uh, The worst dream I've ever had. uh, 
I had a really awful dream about like watching my mother die. That was really terrible. Um, best dream I ever had was I'm definitely just gonna say any sex dream. <laughs> just gonna put that one there and leave it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I wish we could tell. I wish we could tell more. Um, would what would you rather have, equality or world peace? I mean, I feel like aren't they sort of the same thing? Not really. Like if equality existed, maybe people would stop killing each other. I don't oh, know. she's oh. a smart one. She's a smart one. You wanna okay. uh, that? That's a very like. Uh, what's the what's the word like beauty queen question? Um, oh yeah. <laughs> But I was going to say, you know that picture? Which one? You know the sleep one that you just showed? This, yes. Yeah. You want to hear the story about that picture on the left? Go on. The, so I was supposed to be going to my friend's birthday party. And I, uh, I'm not going to actually, I'm not going to tell you that first part. I'll tell you later. <laughs> um, but I accidentally, I grabbed in my makeup bag. I went to put eye drops because my contacts were dry. I went to put eye drops in my eye and I grabbed my nail glue. And Did I you glue your eyelashes? I squirted nail glue into my eye. That's what that picture is. So like really they should make the bottles way more different because they're very similar looking and feeling. Right, Turns I'm out gonna... it's a pretty normal thing. My sister Googled it and there's a lot of people who've done that on the internet, which is putting them out there. Oh really? Look at that. Um, I wanted to do an improv game with you, but I don't think we're going to get to do that. We have five minutes left, so I'll leave that for the next session. And I'm just going to quickly then end with this. What upcoming projects do you have, madam? Hmm. Well, we just finished a video project um, about rants. So oh. it's different. It's gonna, we're going to release them one week at a time. Um, yeah. Different monologues that were written by company members about the thing that you are thinking in your mind, the rant you're having in your mind that you can't say out loud for some reason. I feel uh, like me and you do it all the time. Whatever rant we have, we just say it. We don't well, yeah, really have a problem. You know, I mean, like in mixed company, like somebody you don't know, you're not going to just be like, blah, 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 blah. Um, I've done that. I've, I'm I've really sure done that. Have, right. Knowing you couldn't me. do this assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's people moving to their own voiceover of okay. like, what's going on in their head, basically. Oh, cute. I like it. Um, uh, this next question, I think I sent it to you, but I do this on everybody's birthday. It's called Peaks and Valleys. A peak in your life that is the highest point in your life that can be career or personal that has taught you a valuable lesson and what it was. And then a low point in your life, which was a valley. Um, what was it and what lesson you learned from it? Go. Oh, Lord. Um, the Lord. The Lord. Woo! Uh, a peak in my life would definitely be that um, Emerging Artistic Directors Retreat that I told you about. And yeah. I learned how to take risks and that nothing good in life, nothing truly amazing happens if you don't take a risk. That would be my life lesson. A low would be COVID. <laughs> just the whole, the whole thing. Just, just, as a, just as a thing. What lesson has COVID taught you, Sophia? Well, I do have to say that um, I moved in with my then boyfriend in December. 
Yeah. And then by March, we were on lockdown. Yeah, we got engaged in January. And then by March, we were on lockdown. And we survived on lockdown with the two of us in a studio apartment with his 12-year-old son. Oh, wow. For like five months. And now we've been married for like a decade. You got married? No, I'm saying it's as if, you know. Those five months is the equivalent of being married for like the last 10 years. And now I know. <laughs> now we are like above and beyond any sort of, you know. Fair enough. That's that's a good thing. All right. Any words of wisdom? Of any words of wisdom you like to say to your younger? How about this specifically? Words of wisdom to your younger self when you were walking into that ballet studio, which your mother apparently forced you to do, according to the Citizen uh, Jewish City thing. <laughs> She definitely didn't force me to do it, but I definitely did not like it. That's for sure. Um, what would you tell your younger self? That, that younger self, I would tell patience uh, and like stick it out. I wish I had stuck it out more in that particular circumstance. But my younger self as like as a professional adult, I would um, tell myself to slow down. Like not everything matters, you know? <laughs> That is a true one. That is a very true one. Well, thank you so much. That brings us to the end. I am grateful for you. Thank you for doing this. Like I said, after next week, I'm going to put all of my Chai with Rye episodes on Spotify. So you will be on Spotify. Um, I can't wait to see you in a studio or just come visit you like I was going to this year. But yes, please. I literally miss being in the studio with you. And I think when I come or if I have the opportunity, I really do want to do something with you and i just want to hang out and i want to have indian food with you like we used to after shows <laughs> and i want to get drunk in new orleans i really want to get wasted i want to get white girl wasted <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that that's not that's not a racist thing or anything i just that you know what that you know what i mean by that i 100 percent know that what you mean by that and um i'm like the worst white girl to get white girl wasted with because i don't can't handle my liquor like that although maybe that makes me the best i don't know exactly (laughs) oh my god that'll be great we'll be doing shots and doing hurricanes and all of that sort of fun stuff uh, we'll be doing hurricanes (laughs) i will be doing hurricanes and we'll wear i will watch you (laughs) and we'll wear beads and like coconut bras and like do shimmy (laughs) shimmy shangles and all of that i can't wait but thank you so much i appreciate your time can't wait to see you good luck with everything Well, that brings us to an end and I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did so, make sure to subscribe, follow and spread the love. Share this with a friend, an auntie, your nephew, your niece, that creep or that neighbor. You know the one I'm talking about. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow. By the way, if I haven't said this before, to watch any of the previous or this very episode's video, simply go to my Instagram at Rymuitfum. That's R-A-I-M-U-I-T-F-U-M and scroll through my IGTV. I hope you have had an amazing day or night if you're listening to this before sleeping. I'm wishing you all love and light. And as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. Now I must go. <laughs> Meaning now I must go. That's copyrighted. I own it. And I will see you but for real thank you so much for tuning in it's been my pleasure stay curious and until next